0: Looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 15. Today our focus will be on verse 15. Dealing with the treasure in earthen vessels. And as we look at this whole book, 2 Corinthians, its essence is that of ministry. What is ministry? When we, most of us, think of a minister, we think about the guy with the Suit and tie. Well, I guess not anymore. Hawaiian shirts and flip-flops are in now. But anyway, used to be suit and tie. uh, And the guy who had, quote-unquote, formal training. Um, I I understand the need for that. I understand um, why it, it is perceived that way. But I do not understand why when I look at Scripture that it says that if you are saved, you are a minister. You are a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are a slave. You have been bought and paid for with a price. We've been looking at the Corinthian letters actually for a number of years. 1 Corinthians deals with your personal holiness. Okay, and and we have a tendency in the body of Christ to try to focus on everybody else's holiness. Okay, it, your holiness isn't quite up to snuff. If you look at First Corinthians, you realize that it's actually about you. And once that has been resolved, then you can move into Second Corinthians and you start looking that uh, you are a minister. And it's to the point that we have such confidence that through Christ toward God, not that we are adequate in ourselves to be considered anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God who has made us adequate as servants of a new covenant that is it in essence brothers and sisters okay so let's pray and read 7 through 15 of chapter 4 second corinthians father we come before your throne the author and the finisher of our faith father you have done exceedingly abundantly beyond What many of us could have ever dreamed or imagined, and yet, Father, you're not done, Lord. I, I think about this day, about this time, and the issues that that seem so complicated to each and every one of us, and even in this group today, we struggle with individual and collective things, and yet, Father, you are faithful. And Lord, um, I guess the simplicity of the gospel is the thing that overwhelms me. And yet we do our best to complicate. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to keep it simple. And Father, watch the hand of an awesome God that we may boast in you and you alone. To your glory and to your glory alone. Give us ears to hear, Lord. Give us eyes to see. Without your help, we are nothing in so feeble to you, Father, in Christ's name. Amen. Verse seven, chapter four, second Corinthians. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, But not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. Knowing that he who raised Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people May cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. In this outline, I shared with you that there's a tendency, um, there's a tendency in humanity to look at the container, what has brought it forth. And the Apostle Paul was being accused of not being that impressive to look at not having an ability to speak publicly and to really motivate people. So how could he be used of God? And could he really be used of God? Because I mean, everybody's wanting to kill him. And so how are you getting the gospel to people? If everybody's mad at him, how could he really be used by God? If people are just offended by his message, the tendency that you see in the body of Christ today in this country, I've had the opportunity to travel to other countries, and it's not true there. Uh, the church in the United States is sort of an oddity. And in the United States, the basis of the gospel is, do you want to go to heaven or do you want to go to hell? How offensive is that? Well, if you want to go to heaven, say this prayer. Maybe I'll stick you in a swimming pool, or maybe I'll uh, sprinkle you with a squirt gun or something. Okay, and then from then on, just don't ever doubt, because you're saved. You're saved. The problem with that message is it's not true. The problem with that message is It isn't even close to true. We are here for the new covenant. We are here for the gospel. The gospel says you, the average human being, are in opposition to God. You are hostile to God. God is hostile to you. You are at war with he who spoke existence into being. Your sin. Please understand that. It ain't my sin separated you from God. Your sin separated you from God. And you have absolutely no ability whatsoever to make it right. Nothing you can do. We looked at it this morning in Romans 8. The lost people have no ability to please God. I see in the church in the United States today that most people are banking on I've got more good things going for me than bad things, and that will make God let me in. And yet, the Bible says it's impossible. It's impossible. When I look at this, the Apostle Paul is telling you and I, you're clay pot, you're an earthen vessel, you're baked dirt. And your value is the treasure that is inside. That's it. Kind of depressing, isn't it? Yahoo, hmm, I'm happy. And because of that, you are eternally separated from God. Eternally, without divine invasion into your soul, you're not saved. I don't care how many times you've been baptized. I don't care how many times you said the, the sinner's prayer. I don't care how many times you've walked an aisle. I don't care how many times the hair has stood up on the back of your neck. Until you come to the realization that you are eternally separated from God, there is no way. Without divine intervention, without bowing your knee before the cross of Calvary and saying, God, in the person of Jesus Christ, is my Savior. And Father, I am no longer a slave to sin, but I am a slave to righteousness, period. And and that's why I get into trouble. That's why I get into trouble, because I challenge people. Now listen, please. I want to make this really clear. If you spend any time with me, some people say that I'm very confrontive. Some people say I'm judgmental. Some they've called me all kinds of things. Okay. Um, When it comes to a Christian, I will hold you to the standard of God's word. I expect you to do the same. But the, I will hold you to, what does God's word say? And and, and, I, and I've, I've gotten a little better at it, okay? You know, you know I usually say, okay, and where is that in the Bible? Okay, and you know, that's kind of the way I've softened it a bit, okay? But when it comes to lost people, I don't expect them to act godly. They can't. I don't I remember a guy and I shared this in my Sunday school class. I had a guy that had worked on his motorcycle and um, had an interesting background, Mormon and Hell's Angel. I thought there was potential there. But anyway, uh, but 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 he had, he made Murphy look like an optimist. I mean, his wife has COPD. Uh, he can't really keep a job. And he, they they didn't have health insurance. And money was on again, off again. And, and it just, I mean, everything this guy does, he says, everything I do just goes, you know, goes, goes down. Okay? And he says, it's almost like God is mad at me. And I look at him and I said, he is. <laughs> and he's like, what? Yeah, he is. Romans 8 says, you are an enemy. He said, I ain't an enemy to God. I said, well, he thinks you are. <laughs> so, and I said, I don't think he really cares what you think. And so I gave him Romans 8, and I told him, I said, go read that, and you tell me why it come back from. I didn't pay any attention to it. He came back in for another service, and he said, uh, that thing there says that, God's mad at me. Yeah. He said, well, I never thought of that. I said, a whole bunch of people never thought of that. Why? Because every one of us think we have some kind of value that God saved me. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, says, no, I'm an old baked jug. I am, I am such a common vessel that... They used to take the garbage in the house out in this container. That's how noble my container is. So, as we look through this, these verses, we've seen that first and foremost, verse 7 we're just earthen vessels. And the importance, the preciousness, the value of any given Christian is the treasure that is inside, it isn't the container. You know, I I think about that. I think about the resurrection. The resurrection tells me that I don't get to keep this body. Okay? And yet every one of us like our bodies. Why? It gets me around. As we get a little older, our bodies get a little uh, finicky. Don't they? The war against gravity day in and day out takes its toll, doesn't it? Some of you guys, I ain't saying nothing. (laughs) My wife's going to hit me in the elbow. And I mean, you know, I remember talking to a friend of mine. I said, you know what, as I get older, the hair goes off the top of my head and comes out of my ears. Is that crazy? I, I don't know if that's a gravity thing or what that is. And yet, as I look at the resurrection, I receive a resurrected body that has no ability to sin and will only live eternally. My body is affected by sin. My sin. My sin. And therefore, we have this treasure in these very common vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God, not of ourselves. It isn't my cleverness. It isn't my... Methodology. It isn't my system, you know. It isn't. It's like I, I watch pastors. I was, I was at a pastor's prayer thing. Uh, it's been a month or so ago, and everybody there is getting ready to be published, you know. And, and and they've wrote a book and they're going to be published. And they said, "Terry, how about you?" I said, "I, I published a coloring book. <laughs> I I got one book and I ain't got it figured out." I don't need to publish another book. And I keep thinking, what information do you have that you feel all of a sudden you need to have somebody write a book? Well, but there's a- greatest thing that I have, that I have ever written, you see these little note things? That's it. That's it. Now, if you read them and try to listen to what I wrote down on a, a tape, you can I don't know how he did that, but (laughs) because you know what? It isn't the container. It is the new covenant. It is the new covenant. Why? Because when I watch the effect that my ministry has had and your ministries have had, it has done in such a way that none of us can take credit for it. Think about that. We have 17 church planters in Russia that we are their sole support. And we're doing it with this many people. How did we get that accomplished? It's a God thing. Who gets credit for it? God does. Second thing, we are unstoppable. Because once you realize that you really have no value here, eight and nine, you can say, I'm afflicted in every way, but not crushed. I'm perplexed, but not despairing. I'm persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Why? You can't stop me. Why? What value do I have? What value do you have? And yet you think no, there's nothing there. You are an old baked dirt jug. That's it. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Right? It's crazy. We have no value. And once you understand that, then I don't become, I'm no longer fearful of death. Why? I have no value here. I will be raised. I don't have a problem with that. Okay, if I'm not afraid of death, then I will not fear life. I've had people say some horrible things about me after I got saved. I thought when you got saved, everybody liked you. Okay, because when I was lost, a whole bunch of them didn't like me. Okay, but the the, the feeling was mutual. After I came to salvation, guess what? I started realizing that every man, woman, and child is a creature of God. And I, as much as he loved me, should love them. And oh, what a pain. I know none of you guys have ever struggled with that, but I have but I still look at it as God's creation. You know, and it's like that person could never be saved. How'd you get saved? But once you get into that place, all of a sudden they'll start calling you names. I have been called some horrific things. Um, Very seldom to my face. Um, But they have done it to my face, which proves to me I'm saved because I didn't fix it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he used to be one of those. I'll fix that. <laughs> huh. But you become unstoppable. Once you become unstoppable, then you understand your sacrificial why. I'm just a drink offering. I'm poured out. Period. That's it. I'm here for such a time as this. I'm not to build an empire. I'm not here to see what I can leave my kids as an inheritance or anything like this. I am here to preach Jesus Christ, him crucified, raised on the third day. All who should believe shall have eternal life. That's not complicated. But it's sacrificial because the world is always trying to sway you. Always trying to sway you. But you start looking for the fruit. Verse 12. Death works in us, but life in you. Why do you realize that a Christian, a true Christian lives for others? It isn't about other. It isn't about themselves. You know what? The ladies was it a month ago. You did the prayers of Paul. Tell me when he prayed for something temporal for Paul. The only thing I can even get close to a prayer that he prayed is he said, Timothy, bring me my coat. That doesn't really sound like a prayer, but (laughs) that's amazing when you think about it. Just bring me my coat. Why? I ain't cold. But everything that he ever prayed was eternal, was spiritual. He never prayed for himself. And yet, most of the time, our fervency and our prayers are for... Ask yourself a simple question. When you pray, are you praying for the eternals or are you praying for the temporals? And you know what? There's nothing wrong with praying. Give us this day my daily bread. But I want to ask you to evaluate your own prayers and see if the quantity is temporal or is the quantity eternal. Because that's what the fruit is about. You will also be faithful. Verse 13. Having the same spirit, I believe, therefore I Spoke. You know, I see a lot of people in the church who love Jesus but don't know nothing about Him. <laughs> and it's, 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 there's an irony there for me. It's 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 like if if your wife or your husband sent you a love letter. I guess we don't do letters anymore, do we? Yeah, anyway. When we used to do letters, I know some people are saying, I never got a love letter. (laughs) He he wouldn't even go buy a stamp. (laughs) So anyway, well, when you were in high school, did they do that? I did that in high school. We had got busted for passing notes. Now we do texts. Anyway, you kids have lost so much. But anyway. If that flame of your life sent you a love letter, we'll go with that. When you received it, what would you do with it? Go hide it in a drawer. I know. Lay it under my pillow. What do you do with it? You open it and read it. Jesus Christ, God, your creator, wrote you 66 love letters in the form of the Bible. And most of us use it to keep some of the dust off the coffee table. Are we faithful? That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He says, you know what? I believe, therefore I spoke. The problem is, I know a lot of people speaking (laughs) shouldn't. And I'm trying to be as nice about that one as I can. God gave us two ears and one mouth. What should we be doing twice as much of? And I tell you what, it is hard to get people to understand that. My grandpa told me it is better to be quiet and thought stupid than open your mouth and remove all doubt. Okay, and I try to get people to understand that if you're going to share Jesus Christ, make sure what you're sharing is about Jesus Christ. I know a lot of people who love their opinion. The problem is, it's usually wrong. Usually wrong. We become hopeful in verse 14, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus Christ, who was that? God will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. I love that because basically that is what we, I call the hallelujah Course. That is when the bride of Christ stands in the presence of Christ in the presence of God the Father at the big wedding feast. Yes! My daughter's preparing to marry. There's much strife. There will not be much strife in that one. Take all the people through all the ages and they're preparing to stand before the the bridegroom of Jesus Christ and there's not going to be worried about what colors we're wearing or it ain't going to be no colors about who's going to eat what or who's going to serve what or when are we going to do. What if it snows? Well, in heaven, if it snows, it'll be warm. Okay? Why? We will be focusing on the... Groom. Groom. And if you're really honest with yourself, every time you take your eyes off the groom, what happens? I'll kick the edge of the chair. <laughs> and it's that simple. Focus on Christ. Focus on Christ. Which brings me to the bulk of this message, verse 15. For all things are for your sake, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. This treasure in earthen vessels becomes this glorious thing. Um, I was thinking about this I thought, you know, what, when I think about the glory of God, what do I think about? Okay, now, technically, from a theological understanding, the glory of God is the manifestation of his attributes in nature. Okay, but when I think about the manifestation of who is God, okay, it has an outcome to it. As I look at who is God, All of a sudden, I cruise out here and I realize that my very DNA, my very molecular makeup is to worship. Here's all about that. Some of you guys know I work on motorcycles. And um, it is amazing to me at times to watch how people. Look and care for their motorcycles. I mean, it is stunning to me, to be honest with you. I I mean, you go look at my motorcycle and it's got bugs all over it, um, dirt, grime, stuff. If you ride a motorcycle in the rain, it picks the grime up off the road and it gets all over the road. And everybody busts on me about it. Well, don't you ever wash it? Every time God makes it rain, (laughs) it gets gets a bath. Okay? And and but I have watched people who literally will take a hunk of iron with two rubber wheels, and all of a sudden it becomes a point of worship. It's a motorcycle. It's all it is. I mean they're, they're fun. It's a motorcycle. Okay? They used to sell them with toolkits. I should have told you. It isn't going to be as much fun as you think it's going to be. All right? I, I don't understand. And, you know, I could just use it as the motorcycles. I, I've got a customer right now that I'm working on that, I tell you what, he is, he is so finicky over his motorcycle, it's, it's really great. But I'm thinking he is so finicky. I, I wonder, you ever rode it? I mean, he's got it on this nice rack and and it's got sheets and blankets and things all over it. And every time I see it's on this rack, it's nice sheets and blankets and everything over it and, and all the rest of it. And I'm just sitting there going, huh, do you ride it? So I don't know. I mean, if I got a motorcycle, I'm going to ride it. Okay. But I see this, that we do this with relationships. You ever watched a man and a woman before marriage when they're, uh, what do they, we used to call it courting, dating, huh? They just can't get their minds off each other. They come uh, obsessed. Is that the right word? Absorbed, whatever. And it's just this, whoa, all the time, day or night, thinking, oh, oh, mm, ah. And now we have Twitter and Facebook and all the rest of it, so we can be twice as obsessed. I mean, if you've got all that stuff. Okay? And then they get married. And all of a sudden, the obsession is gone. You ever notice that? It's just something that I've noticed. Maybe I'm just... I don't know. I just look at it and think, well, what happened here because at one point it was an idol now it's where is it <laughs> i've misplaced it okay it's like all of a sudden it, the, this deity thing doesn't have any success for me left so i'll move on to my next deity but you watch it, isn't it? I have yet to run into a human being who doesn't worship. And I mean, we worship everything, anything. And it, as Paul told the Romans, we will worship the creature rather than creator. When I think about the glory of God, how can I not worship him? How can I, an earthen vessel that is absolute humility, I'm the garbage bucket of the home. But I understand what God's doing because he's put this great treasure inside of me, which makes me unstoppable. You can persecute me and it ain't going to slow me down. You can give me perplexion, despair. Still ain't stopping me. Why? Because it isn't never about the container. The container is focused on the precious treasure. The precious treasure is the new covenant. The new covenant is the glory of God. The attributes and nature of God manifest in the face of Jesus Christ. And that ought to be enough to just light your fire. We ought to write a song. (laughs) Shouldn't It It should stir you up continually. And as you get closer to the end of your race, the fire should get more intense. I watch people today, we have walked with Jesus for 30 years, I'm retired now, I ain't doing nothing. Really? You're retired now, you should be doing twice as much. Why? I have nothing but time for Him now. I don't have to give that 8 hours or 9 hours in the middle of the day or night or whatever shift you work. Paul understood this. Paul looks at it here in verse 15. For all things and for your sakes, he did nothing for self. Paul says, I'm just doing it for for you. You know, I hear a lot about pastor's burnout. Part of me says, well, then you ain't doing it right. Because if you're doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit, then you're only dealing in the supreme power of God, and you could get tired how? The second part is, are you that important? You got to have that many? Because I had a guy tell me, have you ever had a sabbatical? When I flew to Moscow, there just ain't a lot to do on a plane flying at night. Okay? And I mean, once you look out the window once, you've looked out the window the whole time. Yep, (laughs) big body of water down there cool, no, probably cold because you're up on the Arctic Circle. Okay, well, you need a sabbatical. There's a lot of things I need, but I, I don't understand these kind of things. Why? If it's about me, then I probably need a sabbatical, but it's not about me. I get the privilege of looking into the Word and praying on a daily basis so that I can give it unto other people. The Apostle Paul looked at that that way. It isn't about me. It isn't about the container. There's no self-interest here. Paul says, I just live so you can live. Even if I die, it is so you can live. Our goal... It's for the sake of others. So grace, saving grace, is what? As he says right here, spreading to more and more. Spreading to more and more. Why? Because that is to God's glory. All right, God's glory. What is that? His attributes and His... Nature being manifest. Why? People are getting saved. And it is spreading to more and more people. And the more people get saved, then the more people that get saved. Guess what? God's glory gets bigger and bigger. And guess what happens to the worshipful heart? It starts getting bigger too. The ultimate goal of every true Christian is the glory of God. Period. If you're looking for the glory of God, then you will be doing all for others' sake. Saving grace may come to others. I guess I just want to see the hallelujah chorus a little bigger. You give the new covenant. You give this gospel message. So that some will be saved. And those who are saved will be strengthened so that they will give the gospel message. It will spread to more and more. And guess what happens? God will be glorified. Isn't that not our ultimate purpose? The purpose is to worship the true and living God with all that we are. And we do all for his glory, whether it's saving or strengthening. More and more people can come to the faith in Christ and be part of the redeemed humanity, and they can praise and glorify God. Isn't that what we want? Don't we want more people praising God? Don't we want more people glorifying God? Don't we want more people to spread it? Listen, every one of you has a group of people that you can reach, I can't. Okay? Now there's some people that I can reach that you can't. Right? But the the emphasis in this thing is as you and I grow, then we get fired up in what we worship and how we worship and as we worship. And guess what? It attracts people. Now, some people are going to get mad at you. But that's fine. I don't worry about it. Okay, well, don't you care? No. Why? What is the ultimate purpose? The glory of God. We end up getting lost in the wonder of love and praise of our Lord and our Savior. I think about these guys who mess with these motorcycles and Men and women and their relationships, and I think about people who worship their job, who worship their money, who worship their intellect, who worship, you just fill in the blank, and I know what they're not lost in. I mean, I guess I, to, to be simple about it, as I look at this, to abound to the glory of God at the end of verse 15, God matters, period. God matters, period. It is God's glory that matters. And that, that, that goal, I don't confront people just because I, well, let's see who I can make mad today. Okay? Everything that I ever deal with is based on the glory of God. Okay? If people are going crooked, I'm not going to sit there and go, ah, oh. If I tell them that they're going crooked, it'll hurt their feelings. But what happens to God's glory? That ain't what it's about. We are to be so driven. We are to be so compelled to do everything that he did. And the motive is the glory of God. Think about this for a second. The Apostle Paul, remember when we were looking at personal holiness in 1 Corinthians, right? He says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink. What are you, how are you supposed to do? You do it all to the glory. He's saying, you do the mundane do, 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 do things and you do them as if unto the glory of God. What is he saying here? All things are for your sakes so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Servant of God is immersed in the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's the ones that will be used. The rest of them are sitting there. Why? They haven't seen the manifestation of God in Christ. How are they going to bring glory, cause it to abound, and spread it? You've heard me make the comment before, okay? There are those who are in the church that got the old wrinkled up foreheads that are sharing Jesus Christ because they're supposed to share Jesus Christ. And there's all kinds of people attracted to those. I look at them and think, I don't know what you got, but I pray it ain't contagious. I'm an old clay pot looking to eternity in the face of Jesus Christ and I'm going to be mad about it? Grouchy about it? Mean about it? And I see people who are doing that. They're all right. I'm sharing the gospel. Yeah. I came out of the movie and all these people were lined up. pastor was standing there looking at me like that. What would you think about the movie? I just smiled at him and said, I finally got saved. <laughs> people, really? Really, people? Come on. We walk with the King of kings and Lord of lords. We have an intimate relationship with him who spoke existence into being. I mean, you want to get really heady about it. He created time. And that one there still messes with me. He created what time? You know, he made the first Swiss watch. Everybody knows that. Rolex stole the patent. But I I just, it's stuff like this that you and I have to ask ourselves about. Why? Because as I look at the glory of who he is and the privilege of just being a container... You start understanding his nature. You start understanding his character in the person of Jesus Christ. You can't shut up. And then all of a sudden you start seeing it abound, his glory. As it bounds abounds, you begin to spread it and more people spread it and they get excited because he's excited. It's really kind of a cool plan if you think about it. I mean, if if you think about this, the book of Revelations, I've been reading through that again and I don't know why, but I've just been reading back through it a couple of times. There's a new heaven and a new earth. And you know what it abounds in? The glory of God. Hello? I'm seeing a pattern. Am I doing everything to the glory of God? See, that was the plan. Paul says, I'm just an earthen vessel. I carry a treasure, in the new covenant gospel. That's how the plan gets there. It's through this dirt baked jug. We're not mighty. We're not noble. Earthen vessels. And yet someday, someday, if you think about it, Daniel told us this. Daniel says, we will shine as the stars forever. I like that because that means at some point I get to stop being an earthen vessel. <laughs> I start being a star. Shiny. Turn many to righteousness. Righteousness. The clay pot is only of value in its service. It's moving the message. That's it. One thing, it's one thing to be an earthen vessel with nothing going on. It's something else to be an earthen vessel carrying a priceless treasure in it. All have the treasure. All who believe have the treasure. You already got it. But you may be lacking an understanding of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Each earthen vessel is a witness. Listen, it may not be in preaching. It may just be the testimony of your lives. Some of the greatest influences in my lives were not teachers. They were not preachers. They were bondservants of the Lord God. And everything they did, whether they ate or whether they drank, whatever they were doing, it was all to the glory of God. You want to be powerful? You want to be mighty in the Lord? Then you follow him. How did you do that? Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. There you go. Got her down. Got me an attitude. Who, although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Okay, Philippians chapter 4. Follow Christ. Follow Christ. How? Empty yourself. Take on the form of a bondservant, a slave. Now, how important is this? Well, verse 9 of that text. For this reason, also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every name. Okay? Paul goes on and says, things you've heard, things you've received, things you've seen in me, do those things. Do those things. Why? Because in my weakness, God is strong. It isn't our talents, brothers and sisters. It isn't our knowledge. It isn't our information pools. It isn't any of that stuff. The simplicity of this is here I am, send me. But he will not send you unless you got something to believe in. Okay? And listen, my faith cannot fire you up. Paul's faith cannot fire you up. Nobody else's face can fire you up. You have got to bow before the book. See the glory of God in the face of Christ. And then you will be fired up. Okay. I think it was Linsky who said. Humility. That leads to invincibility. That's true. Because if you are humble, the absence of pride, who can stop you? You've got nothing to lose. So brothers and sisters, those of you who are truly saved this day have the single most valuable treasure ever known to creation and God stuck it in an old baked dirt garbage bucket so that if there's boasting it can only be done in God that's it I mean it's really that simple I I really wish that everybody would we want to make it more complicated what's the Christian life if you got to ask that question read your Bible because it's very simple things focused on the spirit Will not succumb to things focused on the flesh. When you lose your focus, you bump into a wall. Every time. Every time. You don't believe me? I've got a pair of sunglasses, and the bottom line in it is a, a reader, okay. But if you just look at them, in regular sunglasses. Um, I have very sensitive eyes. I got, uh, early in my time in Colorado, I was up on Longs Peak around spring break with a lot of snow and I didn't have goggles and uh, I ended up burning my retinas. So the uh, bright, bright light, everybody makes fun of me in my office. They said, we just got that one little lamp bright enough. (laughs) I don't want to sit in my office and squint. Okay. But what I've learned is, is that I have gotten used to these sunglasses when I'm driving, I'm driving down a load and I can see distance without any problem. I just can't see things up close. And uh, and it seems to be getting worse. But anyway, uh, to the point that speedometers and minor problems like that. (laughs) What is that? And uh, a lot of times I don't talk to people on my cell phone because I don't know who that is. But anyway, um, so uh, but, but but I share that with you because there's times that we get to looking out here wanting something big. And we're missing the stuff in here. Because we've lost our focus. And I I really wish I could get this across to every saint is I have got to have this focus on this intimate relationship real close with Jesus Christ. Okay, because when I have that focus. Then I can look up and I see the big picture through him. All right, and we're missing that. We want to see this big thing out here. And if I ain't got this thing up close. Okay. I guess what I'm trying to say is. Let's start today off with putting our spiritual glasses on. So we quit running into things. Okay. And when we do that. And you spend the time here. When you look up. You see the big picture and then you realize, you know, it ain't about me. It ain't about my plans. It ain't about the path I'm on. It is about me being intimate with the Lord Jesus Christ and watching him work through an old earthen vessel. That's what it's about. Next week, I'll show you that it takes endurance. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and I praise you for For my brother Paul, the amazing things that he's already done. Father, may we, as we have seen in Paul, humble ourselves. Have an attitude that says it's not about us, Lord. And Lord, may we, in whatever we do, eat or drink. Father, may we do all as unto Christ. And Father, as you bring people into our lives, may they see that. And Father, may they rejoice with us. Thanksgiving as the glory of God abounding, spreading to more and more people. As that brings forth our worshiping hearts to you and you alone, our king. Amen.